This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Welcome back, good friends. It is Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original uh, podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders. Mo Moten, Scockle Branson, back with you as we guide you through these discussions on your Las Vegas Raiders. If you don't already subscribe to the podcast, what are you doing? Make sure you do that. Thanks for all the notes, too. The week we were away, Mo, I got a bunch of little notes from people saying, oh, man, you know, I know there's not a ton to talk about, but not having you guys here sucks and then when we had the, the 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 episode tuesday with levi got a lot of notes people saying oh it's so good to hear you guys are back on so thank you i mean we are so uh, thankful for our audience and we continue to be just blown away by your reception and we appreciate it lots of great content out there lots of great raiders content out there so we appreciate being part of your lineup and uh hope to continue to earn that uh, I am Scott Cobranson, your host, along with my co-host, Mr. Mo Moten, senior NFL writer at Bleacher Report, also the Raiders columnist at sportsnot.com. And we are talking Raiders football. We are going to get into the combine and free agency. Uh, I love this time of the year, Mo, because you're starting to think about the draft, this, this build up to the draft. You think after the Super Bowl, for casual fans, I think they kind of let go of football for a little bit until something actually happens. Um, but it's always fun because you're going to watch these these kids perform at the Combine. Some of it's very useful in, in helping you see what players have which talent and, and where they excel. Uh, and then other times, not so much. You know, cone drills and all this kind of stuff, not really uh, informative or fun to watch as a fan, frankly. But um, as the Raiders get geared up for the Combine, they have needs in the draft, clearly, that you want to address. We talk about it all the time here, my friend, that that the best thing you can have is a, a is a player who has immediate impact on a rookie contract. And of course, we start with quarterbacks there, which we'll get into. But the Raiders have needs on the defense. They have needs at cornerback. They have needs on the interior of the defense. When you think about the Raiders going into the combine, if you're a Raiders fan, even if you're a casual fan, and you're just going to kind of pay attention at the end of the day to see what happened that day at the combine, what would you pay attention to if you're a Raiders fan, Mo? As you said, the interior defensive lineman, that's one That's one position I have my eye on, though I would prefer the Raiders go after a veteran because they've struck out with young defensive linemen coming out of the, uh, <laughs> coming out of the college ranks. But um, I'm looking at the interior defensive linemen. Of course, you're not going to be looking at their 40s, but you want to see them have some, you know, some explosiveness, some um, good ankle flexion because you're you're going against a better athletes in today's league, and the the top defensive lineman in the league can get after the quarterback. So you want to see that athleticism out of your interior defensive lineman. Now they have a trio of veteran defensive linemen that are going to be free agents: John Jacobs, Blau Nichols, and Adam Butler. I would advocate that you bring Adam Butler back, mm-hmm. but again. Uh, they they need to feel that finally feel that need because they've been looking for what seems like forever for an interior defensive lineman. The other thing I want to say about the combine is while the forty gets all the attention because everyone like big guys, fast guys, top prospects all run. 
it is not as important as in some cases as a 10 second split and the 10 second split is the first 10 seconds of, of the run because again yes. that it measures the ex explosion out of your stance yeah. so when you're coming out when you're coming out of your stance you're in the trenches you're coming off the ball so to speak you want to have that quick 10 second split because again it shows athleticism lower body lower body athleticism and explosion so just make sure you pay attention to not just the four. If you're going to pay attention to the 40, pay attention to this 10 second split. And also some of the drills that you don't see televised, the broad jump again, lower body explosiveness. That's part of it. A lot of people don't care about the broad jump. They show highlights of it from the top guys, but that's an important drill mm -hmm. as well. If you're looking for guys again, who are explosive athletes. And if you're thinking about what Antonio Pierce has been preaching about this off season about Wants his guys to be violent. Wants his guys to play fast, not think too much. Uh, those are the type of things that you're going to be looking at the combine, not necessarily grading the combine as this is how I'm going to construct my draft board. But you take those things out of the combine, you take the traits you see out of the combine, and you match it up what you see on film and see if it matches together and say, okay, this guy has it on game day and he has it in an isolated set of environment so yeah that physicality that physicality and i'm looking forward to because i'm going to be up there next week and uh one of the kind of hidden interesting gems is at the at at lucas oil stadium each team has uh one of the luxury boxes where they do their meetings right with the players so watching the raiders booth and seeing who goes in there for interviews so i'll let you guys know but yeah the physicality of those guys and and what antonio pierce has described as the style of play he wants is, is huge. So I would watch for that too. But of course, Mo, you also, they, they focus on the big name players, right? They, they're going to focus. This is a big quarterback class. We're going to see, I think everybody, but Caleb Williams there, um, which will be interesting just to see because stock can rise and drop. I mean, it's crazy from the outside that we see a guy go in, like we saw Will Levis last year, go in and his combine things were mixed. He, he had a great day and they talked about how great he was. And then stuff started to leak out, and then suddenly you saw him dropping in the draft uh, a few months later. So, as far as the Raiders are concerned, you know, fans are looking into the Raiders trading up if they can for a quarterback. When we think about the combine and the quarterbacks, what are you looking for there when you start to think about, okay, who are the guys that maybe could be? And we don't know, right? Because, because every there's, there's eight teams that need quarterbacks badly. So when you look at that, uh, what are you going to look for when you're watching quarterbacks at the combine? To be honest, Scott, not much, because if you're if you're if you're grading quarterbacks, so if you're trying to find the, the quarterback for your team, you're looking at game film, because mm -hmm. those those throws at the combine, th those throws at the combine, you're you're throwing on air. There's no pass rush, mm -hmm. you know. There's no cornerback guarding your wide receiver. Now, if you have questions about a quarterback's arm strength, you want to see him throw that deep ball. Right. You want to see how he, you know, angles that deep ball, where his ball placement is on that. Fine. But you're not paying attention too much to a quarterback's 40 or 10 second split or his broad jump, really. <laughs> you're 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 grading really what it, how is his decision making in the pocket? How does he face a pass rush? And you don't get that at the combine. The most important things, I'll go, I'll say this, Scott. For some of these quarterbacks, these it's going to be interviews, interviews and medical. Interviews. Absolutely. So medical interviews. You sit down with Khalid Williams. You sit down with Drake May. You talk to them. You get them on the whiteboard. You have them draw up plays and you see where their knowledge is 
of the game and how they and how they made plays on the collegiate level. That's going to be yeah. important. You're not going to see that at the combine though. That's not televised. Yeah. With yeah. Michael Penix's uh, medicals, that's not televised at the combine, but that's probably the most important part of his combine, you know, circuit is that what are, what are the medicals going to say about his knee, you know, about his injury history? That's going to be the most important part because we know Michael Penix can throw the ball downfield. We know he's accurate. We saw him at Washington. We saw him at Indiana. There's nothing that he could do at the combine to say, well, Michael Penix isn't that accurate. I don't like that deep ball on air to that wide receiver 20 yards downfield. It's In not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. In short, it's not going to happen. It's going to, again, medicals, interviews. That will tell you a lot about the quarterback you're going to get because remember, the quarterback position is a leadership position. So those interviews yes. are going to be very important. Yeah, it, it, and I agree with you on the game film because it's all about game game decisions. When you're at, in the heat of the moment, what decisions are you making? Because then you 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 multiply that by a hundred getting into the NFL where things are faster and you're you're dealing with more complex offenses, all of those things. And so yeah, and and I think too. Remember, we did a show maybe three weeks ago now about lying season too. So some of the stuff you hear coming out of the combine is also jockeying. You might have. A team who likes a quarterback who might say, well, I don't know about this. I don't know. And they talk to a reporter or they talk to this person. They talk to that person and it starts to leak out. We've already seen that with Caleb Williams as far as his maturity and this kind of stuff. You're already starting to hear that. And, and you've heard you've heard other people talk about some of those issues. And we don't know that. That's where, to your point about interviews, teams will sit down with them and they'll make their own judgment on if any of that is true. But you're going to start to hear that on a lot of these guys. Some of these, all these quarterbacks roll into the combine with positives and negatives. So they're going to poke at the negatives to see if they're true. And uh, it's it's such a good point to, to, to not putting too much stock into their performance at the combine. Well, one other thing, Scott, and I forgot what quarterback was, you know, had to deal with this. But the other thing about these interviews is some coaches staffs will test these quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. They'll come after them and say, you know, why did you do this? Or they're corner them. And put them in an uncomfortable position to see how they can handle it. Because again, yeah. it's a quarterback's a leadership position. Sometimes you're gonna have to get in guys' faces. Sometimes guys are gonna get in your face because yeah. you're the leader and you're screwing something up. They're gonna test their mental psyche. And a lot of times coach staffs will will question a quarterback and see how he responds. If he's a little too sheepish, a little too timid, they may say, Well, this is not the guy to lead my football team. Yeah. If he's if he pushes back on that coach's staff, kind of kind of jaws back at them. They like that type of stuff. Sure. They like a quarterback who's going to talk back and, and answer back and be quick and snappy with his answers because that shows he's not afraid to be a leader of men and not afraid to stand up in front of a room and speak his mind. Right, because, for example, with the Raiders, if the Raiders are going to go get a rookie quarterback, and let's just say it's, it's in the top 10 picks of the draft, they're going to expect him more than likely to come in and win that job. If, they, if he's going to win that job, he's got to lead a team of veterans. And to your point, that's why testing them, understanding how they can react. We saw a good example of that with CJ Stroud. I know I keep going back to the example, but all the veterans talked about how he came in and he was ready to go. Uh, even before they physically played with him, it was like in meeting rooms and all that stuff. He commanded the room, even as the youngest guy in the room. So it's going to be fascinating. And that's why the combine, even if you're just going to pay attention to it cursory, you just just watch that stuff because it'll be interesting to see what what comes out of it. Now we look at free agency, Mo, 
uh, moving on and and we look at the Raiders. We talked about 14 mm-hmm. players on the Raiders roster eligible, uh, basically not under contract right now. Three offensive linemen, including Andre James, the center. When you look at that uh, list of players and you think about who's most likely going to be signed that, that you could see the Raiders bringing back, who pops to the top of the list for you? Well, I made the case for Josh Jacobs earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I can actually see Jermaine Luminar back, but as a yep. guard. Right. And I say that because, okay, Greg Van Roten, older, I believe 33, 34 years old. Though he played well in the second half of the season, I can see the Raiders moving on and trying to get younger at the guard position, but keep it Jermaine Illuminar because he has that guard tackle versatility. Let's not forget that. A lot of people say, oh, Jermaine Illuminar is not that good. He's not a starter. <laughs> no, he's a serviceable starter, mm-hmm. and he gives you that versatility to play inside, outside. I think that's why he's valuable, and that's why I think he could be back with the Raiders. Um, as far as the other free free agents, I also mentioned Adam Butler. I think the Raiders should bring back Adam Butler. Had had arguably his best year as a defensive tackle. Uh, he's a veteran guy, and I think there's more – I don't want to say room for his potential because, again, he's further along in his career, but I think he could be a steady piece in the middle of that defensive line. Amik Robertson is a very tricky case simply because we all we all know that the knock against him is his height and his stature. He's mm-hmm. been kind of up and down with his with his time with the Raiders. But I feel like if you if you have Amik Robertson on the roster, similar to Jermaine Luminar, where he can play inside and outside depending on the matchup, it's a valuable asset. Will he be back? That is a tough call because if another team is willing to pay Amik Robertson a little more and say, we'll, we'll play you strictly as slot cornerback, he may take that deal. He may take that idea over uh, staying with the Raiders and possibly being kind of a backup because, to be honest, a lot of drafts have the Raiders taking a cornerback early, even at yes. 13 instead of a quarterback. They need one. So yeah. they, it's obvious everyone can see the Raiders need a cornerback. I could see the Raiders – getting a more prototypical size quarterback opposite Jack Jones. And I would think if you're a Meek Robertson, you're thinking, do I want to be the fourth cornerback with the Raiders or do I want to be a starting slot somewhere else? Because we all know Nate House has a slot position locked up in Las Vegas right now. Yeah, and that's what I think with with Amik is I think that uh, if if he wants to stay with the Raiders and he doesn't have a much better offer, meaning that there's not somebody out there who wants to commit to him as the starter – then you come back, you know, you you you're able to 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 make some good money. Uh, I think he made just under a million dollars last year. So so if he can get somewhere around there as an experienced guy who knows the defense, he's a great rotational player. He knows the defense. Um, he's a dog. We always talk about that. So would good. The other guy too that's interesting to me is Isaiah Polamau too because he as a safety, um, I thought he showed some promise last year and continues to grow. He's also going to be a cheap option unless somebody out there loves him too and wants to give and, and overpay him. I could see him coming back too, Mo. Yeah, I could see him coming back because he's not a he's not a I believe I don't believe he's an unrestricted free agent because he doesn't have the years of correct service yet. So he's yeah. not going to be an unrestricted free agent. He's going to be an exclusive rice free agent, which basically means if the Raiders don't tender him, he's going to be back on the roster. Correct. So he he's not going anywhere as a as an ERFA. Yeah. And I would assume that maybe he has a bigger role because in spots he's shown that he could be serviceable yeah. and he's that he's the tall safety physical type that again, Pierce physical football team, six yeah. four, about two twenty. He could fit in that hybrid linebacker safety role. So I, I I'm not saying that he's gonna have an increased uh workload coming into the upcoming season, but it'd be interesting to see how they use him. Again, he's a good piece, he's good depth, and and to your point, after after Pierce took over. 
is when he seemed to kind of catch on and get better and grow. So uh, another interesting piece there. Now we look at free agency to address some of these issues. You talked about addressing cornerback in the draft on the outside opposite Jack Jones, who was a great acquisition for the Raiders. Um, and you look at the draft there. Uh, I also did a video last week about Snead. I don't think the Chiefs can sign Snead and Jones. I think they're more likely to sign Snead than Jones, obviously, because of age and 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 whatnot. Uh, but but I think there's opportunity for the Raiders in both areas, and I think they will do both, Mo. I think they will sign a free agent to compete there, and I think they will draft a rookie, whether it's really high or somewhere in the second round. So, there's, there's good players in this draft. It's a deep cornerback draft, right? Uh, I think they're going to do both. It's interesting. I did a Bleacher Report piece on the free agent class, and I basically hi highlighted the top three free agents at every position. But I also took a look at the totality of each position. And I'll say that interior defensive line and cornerback were two of the top five uh, groups, position groups in free agency this year. Barring there will be some teams that resign players and take them sure. off the market. But those are two, in my opinion, two of the deepest groups. And I have interior defensive linemen in the top three as far as the talent pool is concerned. So the Raiders will have they be able to find their pick of interior defensive linemen if they want to address that position in free agency. The same goes at cornerback. Like you, I, I don't think that a lot of Raider fans want Chris Jones. I remember when he was coming out of uh, Mississippi State, I wanted the Raiders to draft him in the, in the end of the first round, second round. He went in the second round to the Chiefs. Uh, he was at the parade and kind of said he wasn't going anywhere before the tragic events happened there. Oh, he, he was kind of adamant about staying in Kansas City. I'm not going anywhere. His agent was kind of like, Shit. <laughs> you know, don't say anything. We, Help me we negotiate. negotiate. Right. We we need the leverage. Yeah. Don't say that. Yeah. So I I I can't tell you what the Chiefs are gonna do, obviously, but it they're gonna keep one or both those guys. And and maybe they'll move some things around to try to keep both guys. Who knows? But Snee's gonna demand a big contract. Big contract. And that's the other, and that's the other thing that if you're if you if you want the race to sign Snee, just understand that you're gonna be paying top dollar mm -hmm. for that player. And that's gonna limit some of what you could do at other positions. You have I don't want to say bargain bin search at other positions, but once you spend top dollar at one position, yeah, then you have to think about okay, how much do I have left to address other needs? So just keep that in mind. Right? Yeah, and 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 to me, the Raiders again, we talk about premium positions and salary mo contracts. Is uh, premium position is not interior defense. I know Chris Jones, amazing player, did incredibly well, won two Super Bowls with the Chiefs, but you know you can get good defensive players in the interior in the draft. I rather spend money at the cornerback position, not saying Sneed money necessarily, but I rather spend money there. And by the way, at edge, the Raiders still could use help at edge. Uh, even with um, with Tyree Wilson coming along at the end of the year, I still think they're going to be moving him in and out in that hybrid position. So you can never, I think, gamble too much on getting a good edge player, not necessarily in the draft, uh, but but through some means. And so so to me, you're right. You have to decide where are you going to spend the top dollar and then where are you going to try to build with young players or with role players that you get in free agency. I mean, that's the, that's the that's the essence of the NFL in this modern era. Scott, you know where I would spend a lot of money and on this and I have a specific player in mind. This Michael, isn't Pat Patrick Queen again? No, no, it's not Patrick Queen. <laughs> Michael Wenu, who played with the oh. Patriots over the past several years, can yeah. play guard, can play right tackle. 
I yeah. think that's where the Raiders should go when they spend their money in free because he would he would basically lock down your right tackle position for the foreseeable future. And then, like I said, you can keep Jermaine Luminar at, at guard if you want. Maybe mm-hmm. Probably draft the guard as well to compete with him. But I, I think Michael Wenu of, of the Patriots, formerly of the Patriots, I think he's the guy you want to look at because the tackle position, I don't want to, it's not very deep. It's, 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 they're recognizable names. Trent Brown, uh, Tyron Smith, yeah. as I said, you know, Michael Wenu over there in New England, you know, notable guys, but I obviously, we, Raider fans are familiar with Trent Brown. We know about Trent Brown's history. <laughs> Misses a lot of games. Yes. Tyron Smith has missed a lot of games. He's up there in age. Yeah. Uh he he's missed at least four games in, in each of the past four years. I wouldn't I wouldn't touch him and he's played mostly left tackle. Yeah. But the other Patriots tackle, that's the guy I'm spending money on. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think he's going to be in demand for your to the, your point. But especially if the Raiders get a young quarterback, it would make sense to go out and 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 put a premium on that right tackle, right? I mean, you just you just want to do everything you can to put a young guy in the right position to win. And so to me that that would be that would make a lot of sense. So we'll see how it all ends up. We're going to keep covering that. We'll know more next month as we understand who's available on the market. And of course, this week, not a lot of franchise tags yet. As of uh, the recording of this show, we're recording on Wednesday for Thursday. So we'll see uh, what pops up uh, for the Raiders and other teams. Who, who who doesn't get the tag? We're still waiting on some of those running backs like Barkley, like you talked about. So we'll see how it all ends up. Uh, but we'll be here for all of it. So stay tuned for that. All right. We're going to take our final break here on this edition of Silver and Black today. When we come back, it's time for the Raider Nation mailbag. A little bit lighter than usual with the week off last week. Uh, Not a lot for you guys to respond to, but we got some great calls as usual. If you want to be part of the Raider Nation mailbag next week, do us a favor. Leave us a voicemail, 702-900. That's 702-900-7869 is our caller line. Leave a message. You know, Try not to leave a 10-minute message. Try to leave a quick message. Tell us what your question is, your thoughts. Give us your name and where you're calling from. Don't forget that stuff, too, so we can give you your love on the air here. Uh, or you can mail us at mail at silverandblacktoday.com. All of that is in the description below on the video or on the podcast if you forget. All right, when we come back, we'll get to your calls. This is Scott. This is Mo. This is Silver and Black Today. <laughs> 